My family immigrated here from Taiwan in the 80s. My mom and dad originally moved to New Mexico. And they had a Mongolian barbecue restaurant in Albuquerque. One night when my dad was closing up shop, some people came in and robbed the place and tied him up and left him in the office and then set the restaurant on fire. He somehow escaped, but the restaurant was ruined. And so they moved to Southern California to be closer to their other family members. And that's where I was born. That was a huge trauma. I don't know if it was a hate crime, if it was a race thing, or if it was just an act of violence. I think it really affected my parents in a way that they didn't really know how to deal with emotionally. And from that point, things started to change and it was really difficult. I think that was a huge blow to like the family unit, you know? My name is Coco Lane. I'm a Sagittarius sun, Libra rising, Scorpio moon. I love taking calculated risks. I love change. And I love to learn. I love to be a student. I love to learn about new things. I can keep learning for the rest of my life. And there's going to be so many things that I'm going to die not knowing. <laughs> Back in 2013, I moved from Los Angeles to New York to go to school at Parsons studying fashion design. And then my junior year, I was like super broke and was looking for a job. So I dropped out of school and started working at this fashion company. At some point, one of my friends had asked me to watch their car while they were away. So I was like driving her car in the Lower East Side on like Essex Street. So I'm just like chilling. It was just like a regular day, you know. I had the windows down a little bit. I'm just driving and I'm waiting in the car and it's like bumper to bumper traffic. And all of a sudden, I feel the presence of my grandmother. Her name is Lois Who. Just like drop into the car. She's a tough Shanghainese lady. Shanghainese women are like the head of the household, matriarch, very hard, very like in charge. She's like a badass lady who like smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and like looked fab. So she like drops into the car to tell me to save the family. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was very loud and clear. I just kind of was like taken aback a little bit. I was just like, excuse me? Why are you telling me this? And I was just like, okay, I hear you. I'm gonna think about it. And she like disappeared. She was basically telling me to clean up her mess. <laughs> I was just like the gall for a dead person to come back and try to tell their relative to clean up their mess. We never had a relationship when she was alive. She didn't want to have anything to do with us, actually. 
I just remember feeling nothing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you should have gotten to know us, but you didn't. It wasn't until she died that I started having a real relationship with her. The message that I received was that I was probably the only one that could do it because I'm queer. And because I'm queer, I was able to really develop a lot of emotional intelligence because of all of like the reflection that I had to do, all the questioning that I had to do when I was younger. I feel like I really was able to develop that muscle more so than like my straight family counterparts did. Started made me question my relationship to family because at that time I f didn't feel close to my family at all. I actually kind of ran away from home. I could never really fully relax around my family members or that they were like judging me or this or that. And like, that's not what I feel like family is. And it wasn't until I moved to New York and I met my queer friends, my queer family, my chosen family, that I realized what being held means, what true care and what true love means, you know? I'm very grateful for that. It also makes me sad because I don't think my extended family might not feel that about each other. So when I moved here, it was the first time I ever was around people who really questioned the same things that I was questioning. Questioning sexuality, questioning gender, questioning traditional institutional structures, life paths, and really being critical about these things and like, figuring out new queer ways to expand into these spaces in ways that felt authentic and felt real and didn't feel like a performance, you know? Just, yeah, I was really fortunate to meet people who were just interested in growing in the same way that I was interested in growing. And we really like would take care of each other. We spend a lot of time at each other's homes. Straight people don't take baths with their friends for fun, you know? Like, I, we would all just, like, pile into the bathtub and, like, light a joint and talk about what we wanted to plot for the future. And this is when I was, like, 21. <laughs> it really opened up my heart and showed me what it meant to, like, love people and how to love myself, essentially, by caring for other people or feeling like these people cared about me. I think that's what true love is, letting people be themselves, encouraging them to be the most expansive version of themselves. But in doing that, you have to do the work on yourself. It's not a passive thing. Expanding is an active thing. Having people in my life who are actively expanding, actively doing that. <laughs> I feel like I've actually been clairvoyant my whole life. I always felt very powerful in being able to manifest things. And I knew from a very early age that if I wanted something, I had to do it myself. Or I had to make it happen myself, that nobody would give it to me, you know? That if I wanted to, I had to put all of my intention into getting it. And then it's really satisfying to just like get things that I wanted because I would figure out how to do it or I figure out how to get it and so and that in itself is like 
the power of manifestation, right? I just was really interested in mystical things. In high school, I really got into reading tea leaves as a way of divination. So I was really into just like collecting magic books about like palm reading, all of this stuff. I was just curious. Anyway, well, I started trying to communicate with my grandmother after her very bold request to save the family in me being like, okay, well, you have to make sure that I am well supported so that I can do all of the things that you've asked me to do. I think I like wrote that down and like set an intention and sent the message out. And then not a week later, I was browsing in a used bookstore and I came across this beautiful art book from the year 2000. It's like a book about internet art. And I open it and in it, there are two banknotes from hell for $200 million. These banknotes from hell are actually money that is used in Chinese funeral services. So you essentially burn the money to give to your ancestors to ensure that they have wealth in the afterlife. And I'd actually never really encountered these before, but it just so happened that I came across this and I took it as a sign that I should burn this money for Lois. <laughs> And so I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for the check to come through, but you know, I have a lot of faith. <laughs> when you're born into this material world, you end up inheriting a lot of abilities and mannerisms and things that is carried down through DNA, you know? You inherit trauma that your blood lineage has experienced. And so I feel like so much of that ends up being locked away or pushed down. And that can really mess a person up. Sometimes I feel really depressed because I'm just like, why am I feeling so heavy? Why does the burden feel so big, you know? But then I realize I'm like, oh, it's not just me. It's not just my burden. It's like the burden of like a collective family. You know, and we're all so interconnected. It's not just like you're carrying your own burden only. It's like everybody shares this. I feel so connected to my grandma because I'm aware of it. And I'm sure maybe some of my other relatives are also aware of it, but we've never talked about it. We're really separated from each other. I don't feel close to my family at all. Like We're not close. I really want to be in good relationship with everyone in my life, whether they're alive or dead. My grandma lived the life that she was supposed to live, and I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live. I'm carrying on the work that she was not able to do. People aren't born wanting to be hard people, you know? People aren't born wanting to become really abusive, <laughs> mean people. So I try to hold a lot of compassion space in my heart for that. Her blood runs through my veins. Like she and I, we share 
a lot of similarities, I think. I inherited a lot of her energy, a lot of her spirit. We have a good relationship. I feel like two generations down, I'm the one who is resting. Resting and reflecting on all of the trauma and all of the shifts and changes that had happened over the past two generations. Sometimes maybe people have to die before they like, you know, figure out what they want.